HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Broadcasting live from Roberta's in Bushwick, Brooklyn, you're listening to HeritageRadioNetwork.com. Welcome to Straight No Chaser on the Heritage Radio Network. I'm your host, Katie Kiefer, and today we are talking about raw milk. My guest on the phone is Bill Marler. Bill is a well-known food safety expert and the managing partner of the Seattle law firm Marler & Clark, as well as being a nationally recognized expert in food safety issues. Uh, Marler began working with victims of foodborne illness in 1993 when he represented the most seriously injured survivor of the -the jack-in-the-box E. coli outbreak. And since then, he has represented thousands of victims of foodborne illness, including Stephanie Smith, the subject of a Pulitzer Prize-winning story in the New York Times about E. coli contamination. Mr. Marler's advocacy for a safer food supply includes petitioning the United States Department of Agriculture to better regulate pathogenic E. coli, working with nonprofit food safety and foodborne illness victims organizations, and helping to spur the passage of the 2010-2011 FDA Food Safety Modernization Act. Welcome, Bill. How are you? How are you doing, man? I'm good. Uh, you know, I want to know. I want you to know that I had um, my perhaps my first and only anxiety dream about this radio show um, last night, or rather earlier this morning. And uh, in the show, you did not answer the phone. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry about that. Yeah, no problem. <laughs> and I thought my, to myself, my wife, my wife answered it this morning, so it was, ah. it's all good. All right. Well, here you are. And um, what we wanted to talk about today was raw milk, because I know you and I share a lot of um, similar attitudes about this. And uh, mine is by no means an earthy, crunchy one. I am not a fan of raw milk. Let me say that right off the top. Um, I think that milk is pasteurized for a very good reason. And I think that um, people wanting to drink raw milk, well, you know, I got to question their wisdom there. But um, and I know that you also sponsor an online newsletter called Real Raw Milk Facts. And one of the features are videos video clips of families who have been made sick from raw milk. So it could safely be said that you too have a bit of an attitude about it. So why do you feel so strongly about this? Well, I think one of the things about raw milk and, and it's, it's, I think one of the things that I've learned um, in sort of being in the middle of it, not, mostly as an advocate for, you know, kids who've gotten severely sick or 
adults who've gotten sick. Um, you know, I've represented um, literally dozens of people. Um, one woman who developed um, Guillain-Barre syndrome after drinking raw milk tainted with Campylobacter, um, and that she's still paralyzed um, three and a half years later. Um, and you've got a 60-person Campylobacter outbreak ongoing in Pennsylvania, New That's Jersey. Right. And, you know, I mean, it's, it's, it's a risky proposition. Um, you know, I've also represented kids who've suffered acute kidney failure because of E. coli and raw milk. Um, you know, but I also recognize, you know, people want the ability, you know, to consume food, and they you know, equate it to a freedom, which I, I can completely respect. I think the problem is is that <clears throat> the information that's out there about uh, it's sort of you know miraculous uh, food uh, goodness for you um, is you know pretty suspect. And when you balance that against you know the real risk, especially to kids, that's why you know we worked donated money to University of California Davis and helped fund and build this. You know, realrawmilkfacts.com website. Mm-hmm. Well, one of the things, I mean, let's let's back up for a second and talk a little bit about some of the mythology surrounding raw milk. I mean, first of all, nobody ever talks about the fact that it really tastes good. And it's true that raw milk, I guess, I mean, I don't drink it, but I suppose it tastes really good. I know that really fresh milk, um, for instance, when you go out to a dairy producing state like Kansas mm-hmm. or something like that, just super fresh milk in a glass bottle is a whole different experience. Raw milk, I suppose, I mean, raw milk cheeses are great. Everybody likes them better than pasteurized milk cheeses. Um, but let's let's talk a little bit about some of the um, miraculous properties it supposedly has, which include uh, reversal of, foodborne al- of food allergies, of asthma. Um, I certainly pricked up my ears at that since I have both of those. Um, mm-hmm. It, you know, has more nutrition, blah, blah, blah. And yet when I did research about this for this program, um, I found that the principal website propounding all of these miracles was the Weston Price Foundation. Right. And it was based on studies that had all been conducted in the 30s. I mean, to every single one of them. There was not one Mm -hmm. single piece of relevant, new, contemporary research into raw milk that they were able to post on this website, which made me laugh. I mean, I think the Weston Price Foundation, you know, is suspect for the get-go. So, but I know that it is incredibly popular, and I don't understand why. Well, (laughs) you know, back into that question a little bit. You know, one is I think, and I think we... We, we all need to recognize that, um, and, and this is from talking to, you know, moms and dads who bought raw milk for their kids, and really, absolutely, in their absolute heart, believed that they were doing the right thing. Sure. And they also, you know, had sort of started to move away from, you know, mass-produced, mass-processed foods, you know, to organic. And then we're disappointed in organic when, you know, organic became mainstream and Walmart started selling it. And, you know, they, they went local. And, and then, you know, you, you had started having farmer's markets in the, in the parking lot of Walmart. You know, people kept moving sort of further and further away. And raw milk is sort of like this thing that is like a beacon of it's about as far away as you can get from, you know, mainstream processed food. And, um, you know, at least on the, you know, when you're buying it directly from the farm. 
But, you know, I think one of the things that's happening now is raw milk is starting to be mass-produced, um, and there's been this outbreak in Pennsylvania. There was an outbreak earlier, uh, or excuse me, late last year in California. That's right, in November. And, I read, I read mm-hmm, on that one, too. And, the, and the two, those are the two largest raw milk dairies in the country, you know, each with over 250 cows, which, you know, I don't think anybody would necessarily say that's a, you know, a small dairy. But, you know, as it relates to the health benefits, there are some interesting studies all in Europe um, that deal with um, the consumption of raw milk and its potential, you know, uh, you know effect on allergies. The, the, the studies are, are, are somewhat difficult because um, it's hard to sort of parse out the kids that are drinking raw milk on the farm uh, and the, you know, the the allergenic effect of, you know, being on a farm and being, you know, around, you know, uh, those sorts of, you know, animals and, and grasses and sure. all those things. And it's hard to par- parse that out between is, was it the raw milk or was it the environment that you're living in. Um, but, you know, people, when they read a study, you know, they want to believe what their preconceived notion is, and so they, they read that the way they want to read it. Mm-hmm. Um, there are some, you know, nutritional um, you know, enzymes and vitamins that are denatured during the pasteurization process, the heating process. But those are, you know, um, things that can be picked up, you know, in, in other food items that don't carry as high a risk as raw milk. And some of them are added back in anyway. Like, sure. uh, for instance, vitamin A is not naturally mm-hmm. occurring mm-hmm. in milk, but it is <clears throat> added. Vitamin D is also added. Um, right. How many people do you think, um, you know, one of the things that I think I've even read on your site is that raw milk is, you know, has has really uh, increased its numbers mm-hmm. in terms of foodborne illness. So, but what are we talking about in terms of numbers? Like, how many people are getting? How many people are drinking it? And of that of that group, how many? What's the percentage of people who are actually getting sick? I mean, because then I want to talk about states' rights and why people can't right. just drink it. <laughs> right. You know, revisit the, that concept. Then the difficulty with you know any sort of you know foodborne illness statistical analysis is that um, a lot of people don't necessarily report, you know, even moderate illnesses. Um, And the only time they get reported is, you know, frankly, when there's a stool culture positive, which requires somebody to be sick enough to really go to the ER to, you know, to get treatment. So you're, 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 at first, you're cutting out an enormous swath of people who likely are sickened by, you know, raw milk or, frankly, whatever food. Um, and the there's a uh, a uh, CDC has a uh, entity called FoodNet. It's a it's a uh, a group of uh, ten states and a couple of major cities that track foodborne illness and track different kinds of food consumption. They estimate that about three percent, or more likely less, somewhere between one and three percent, people drink uh, raw milk in the United States. Um, you know that's it's it's a still a very 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 small part of you know milk consumption in, in America, but we have been uh, tracking both raw milk and pasteurized milk outbreaks uh, you know really really closely over the last three years. Um, I think the data before that is you know not as rigorous as the data that we've been doing, and you know it's it's pretty. It's pretty one-sided in favor of, you know, uh, people getting sick from drinking raw milk. And, you know, the frank, the reason why is, is that, you know, it's raw. And, you know, where it's produced is, 
you know, quite close to where, you know, uh, fecal bacteria comes from. And, sure. you know, it's it's problem. Yeah. I mean, it, you do have to wonder why people who live on a dairy farm and probably do drink raw milk all the time don't get more sick. But, you know, whatever. I think when you're when you're working with dairies that are I mean, the ones that you just pointed out, the the outfit in uh, California, as well as the one in, in Pennsylvania mm-hmm. right now, um, where they have 250 cattle or more as a herd. And um, and then you have a greater you know, you just have a greater likelihood of having some kind yeah. of contamination enter the chain. Um right. It makes me think of sprouts because, like, I mean, I'm going to go right off <laughs> no, the beaten path there, but I, you know, sprouts and raw milk almost identically. Yeah, so, and I, I mean, think you know, like, if if the, if states are legislating whether or not people can drink raw milk, which they do, and which I'm not right. sure I agree with, even though I right. think drinking raw milk is stupid. Um, right. I also wonder why uh, sprouts are still. I mean, I was watching somebody heave a few, you know, loads of alfalfa right. sprouts into his shopping cart the other day, and I thought to myself, "Boy, <laughs> right. didn't you read the news last summer?" <laughs> right. How many people well, was know, that? I mean, I mean th- that was. I think thousands. you have to look at you have to look at raw milk sort of from a historical perspective, and um, uh, the, you know, the rationale for pasteurization was that you know, in the uh, in the teens and twenties, um, you know, one of the you know, the major causes of foodborne illness and death was consuming raw milk. And, you know, the, and, and, and exactly, you know, why that was, it was, you know, was it, uh, you know, bad manufacturing processes in the cities? And, um, and, and, you know, that absolutely was the case. And so I think people were trying to deal with those diseases, which have frankly been pretty much eliminated with the introduction of pasteurization. That's right. Um, the state, um, the whole issue with, um, you know, not being allowed to sell raw milk, um, you know, really was a function of public health forcing, you know, the FDA to regulate it. Um, and the way that FDA regulated it, it says you can't, um, you know, bring it across state lines, which there's a recent farmer uh, in Pennsylvania who has gotten in the little hot water with the feds for uh, bringing raw milk, you know, into Washington, D.C. Or into Chicago. Um, what was that? There was some story yeah, about that, the rough it, riders. Ha- it happens. And, yeah. there, and, the, and the raw milk producer in California who had a problem last year uh, gotten difficulty by selling his raw milk into Nevada but labeled as pet milk or pet food, wink, wink. So, wow. you know, the, the reality is is that, you know, states have, um, you know, then decided, and it's about half the states, a little bit more, allow for raw milk sales. Um, and then there are permutations about, you know, it's, it is one of those sort of states voting on a variety of things. It is on our website, Real, Real Raw Milk Facts, we actually have a map where you can click on it and you can see what the varieties of laws are for each state. Yeah. And it's it's really difficult to keep track of because they're all so incredibly different. One could argue that that's exactly what the use of, you know, federalism is all about, uh, is that sort of, um, you know, uh, incubator for, you know, ideas odd or not. Right, and each state can do their own thing. They can they can make their Correct. own decisions about how their population is going to be fed or not fed. Um, Bill, we Correct. have to take a short break now with a sponsor sure. drop, and uh, just stay on the line. We'll be right back with Bill Marler of Marler and Clark Law Firm, a well known food safety expert. Stay tuned.
program was brought to you by Fairway Market. Whether you are cooking for one or for a crowd, Fairway Market literally has everything you need for a fantastic meal. But if you don't feel like cooking, no worries. They cater. Check out fairwaymarket.com for more information. And be sure to check the new blog, On Our Plate, for weekly specials, health tips, and recipes. We're back. This is Straight No Chaser on the Heritage Radio Network. We're broadcasting live from Roberta's in Bushwick, Brooklyn, 261 Moore Street. Brunch is being served. Um, We are on the phone with Bill Marler, the managing partner for the Seattle law firm Marler & Clark and a nationally recognized expert in food safety. And our topic today is raw milk. Um, I wanted to read you a thing that I read in Science Daily because I sort of thought, you know, here is um, a periodical with no agenda, so to speak. Um, Mm -hmm. And this is the this is is sort of the salient quotes here. Martin Weidman, a professor of food science and a doctor of veterinary medicine who also directs the Cornell Milk Quality Improvement Program, said this raw milk represents a considerable risk for consumers who may experience severe foodborne illnesses that can be transmitted through raw milk, including diarrhea, brain infections, oh my God, abortions, and chronic neurological disease. He went on to say, farmers who sell raw milk also take a considerable risk. If raw milk sold by a given farm causes human disease, farmers are likely to be sued by lawyers, such as you, Bill Marler, specializing in foodborne disease litigation, and may have to pay millions of dollars to disease victims. Now, why would any farmer in his right mind want to do this, given that that is, you know, an option. I mean, he could lose his shirt, not to mention his farm. I don't understand Uh, why they want to flout these rules. Yeah, there's a couple things. I think most people don't wake up in the morning thinking, you know, the world is going to come to an end. And and I think that's probably some (laughs) evolutionary, um, you know, good thing for us. Well, that would not Uh, be me, Bill. (laughs) <laughs> and I and I think and I think that and I think that in some respects, you know, food producers, you know, are focused on what it is that they're doing, um, and when um, when farmers are reading either the Weston Price website or they're seeing you know competitors being able to sell raw milk for you know fourteen to eighteen to sometimes even twenty dollars a gallon, um, you know the the risk. Uh, doesn't seem quite so bad as the potential reward. Um, you know, we have seen, uh, uh, for example, uh, Whole Foods stop selling raw milk across the United States because of a situation that happened in Connecticut where, uh, you know, several children got sick, um, three developed uh, kidney failure, and the farm that uh, Whole Foods was buying raw milk from had only a million dollars insurance policy. So Whole Foods wound up picking up the remainder of, you know, a very expensive tab, and they balanced it out and said, you know, it's just not worth it. Um, and I think there are multiple farmers, you know, in some recent one examples where that's what's going to happen. There's an outbreak here in Washington where the farmer uh, is, is uninsured, um, and, you know, there are two kids with, you know, hemolytic uremic syndrome, acute kidney failure. They're going to cause, you know, problems for them for the rest of their lives. And 
you know, it's going to be an expensive proposition for that farmer. Man, I would not want to be the family that had fed my kids that raw milk, let me tell you. Um, Let me ask you this, though. Why are the methods used by law enforcement so extreme? I mean, there is like, you know, you read these stories that are just absolutely draconian in which, you know, law enforcement goes in and they seize the product and they jail the farmer and everybody goes crazy. I mean, it seems like so extreme. What is that about? Well, (laughs) that's where I have, uh, you know, a lot of empathy and sympathy for, um, you know, the raw milk. Uh, consumers, um, you know, I think that um, uh, you know, there's no question that the, when those situations happen, there in fact there is some violation of the law that's occurring, um, and that um, that uh, um, you know what the tactic is in in how the uh, the authorities come in is really driven in many respects by um, their fear of um, of violence um, on the part of some of the consumers of raw milk. If you read a lot of the the websites, um, you know, there's a website called The Complete Patient, uh, and there's a lot of uh, listservs uh, where sort of raw milk consumers and, uh, you know, Tea Party activists and state rights activists sort of merge together. There's a lot of talk about violence, and guns and war, and so you mean consumers you know, I, I think of, that a lot of times when people come in with guns drawn and subpoenas and uh, sheriffs, part of it has to do with you know they're coming into what they sort of see as a potential domestic violence situation, and you know the reality is is that there are examples, not necessarily in the raw milk field, but there are examples where uh, people trying to enforce food safety laws you know have been killed. Really? Mm-hmm. I can sure. imagine There's that been... in the hands of, um, you know, a very <clears throat> large meatpacking plant or something like that, where it's well, where there, the ag gag laws there, there are becoming a, uh, a, a sausage. There was a sausage um, a company in California where uh, an inspector was was shot um, and dead um, uh, because he was uh, enforcing, um, you know, food safety rules. So, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I think it, you can't just look at this in a vacuum and and you know we could argue about whether or not it's reasonable for uh the FBI uh or or state law uh, authorities to come in you know with subpoenas and guns drawn and all that um but i think you can't divorce it from the you know what's being written on the internet um by some of these you know advocates. I'm still gobsmacked by the concept <clears throat> that the tea party is in bed with raw milk consumers. I mean, talk about an unlikely <laughs> Yeah, you know, talk I, about I, a I very actually, unlikely I, I scenario. Take, I can't take credit for <laughs> Uh, where the tea party and the raw milk people come together, uh, someone called it the teat party, and uh, I, I thought that that was quite apt. Bill, that is priceless. That quote is worth its weight in gold, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Um, let me ask you this then. Is the FDA um, or the USDA working on uh, sanitation rules or safety regulations that would make raw milk a safer option? I mean, is there a way to clean up your dairy and, and somehow how, like sanitize the udder before you mm-hmm. milk or something like that. I mean, aside from right. the fact that cows carry tuberculosis, folks, I mean, right. that may not be so true right now, but certainly it was true. And that was a big factor in um, in the original uh, sort of um, laws that govern the sale of
of raw milk, as Bill alluded to earlier in the show. Um, but, you know, what what can farms do? I mean, is there a way to make uh, make a compromise here so that people can drink their raw milk if they if they're so crazy right. and <laughs> and not get right. sick? I, you know, a couple things. One is yeah, I don't think it's going to be a, you know, a federal solution and the federal solution would not be USDA it'd be FDA the way you know we divide up the different kinds of foods which is a whole nother story um, but it would be an FDA and I don't think you'll ever see you know sort of a federal rule that sort of you know sort of oversight of you know raw milk in you know 50 states I think what you're going to see is a continued development pros and cons one way or the other of you know raw milk in a given state um, and you know some states have you know very diff- tough rules um, and where you can sell it where you can't sell it um, and I think that those are just going to develop over time is there a way to produce raw milk safely well you know there are a lot of raw milk farmers that are you know serving raw milk to their you know customers that you, I never hear about which obviously tells me that, that somebody's doing something right. Right. But but I think, you know, the way I've kind of come down on this is that um, I think there should be more education to consumers about the, the real risks of raw milk, um, just sort of like the real risks of sprouts. And I think that there should be standards set um, and they should be applied fairly. And, you know, my druthers would be that raw milk should not be sold uh, in grocery stores where casual consumers uh, can simply buy it. That I think if you're going to buy raw milk, you got to go out to the farm and watch how the farmer operates. You know the the raw milking process. Um, I think that that would educate a lot of people. And you know, I, and I think then it comes down to also. You know, putting really good warning labels on raw milk and in place of sales. Um, yeah, recently in Maine, uh, at uh, farmers markets, uh, the the uh, they voted uh, not to um, put any sort of warning label up about raw milk, and just to say not pasteurized. And you know, for you and I, I get that, but for the vast majority of people who have come accustomed to milk being sold in stores and not thinking about the safety aspects, whether it has a little label on it that says not pasteurized, what does that really mean to the average consumer, I think is suspect. Yeah, I would agree with you. Um, Bill, unfortunately, we have to, we only have a couple minutes left. So sure. um, I hope that uh, you'll be back. Um, I'd love to chat about food irradiation, which is getting another mm-hmm. <clears throat> another boost in the media, um, at right. least the stuff that I'm reading. I know that the meatpacking industry is, is going back to that um, as yet another potential intervention. Um, so we can talk about that. But uh, I want to thank you so much for being on the show today. I really appreciate it. I'm so glad that my dream did not come true and that you <laughs> did not fail to answer your phone. And <laughs> Well, my lovely my lovely wife made sure that didn't happen. So Thank her very much for me. And uh, we'll be in touch. I really appreciate your time today. Thanks so much for taking And thank me. you very much. Oh, sure. It was a pleasure. It always is. All right. Anyway, that Bye-bye. was our guest, uh, Bill Marler from Marler & Clark in Seattle. Uh, really an interesting and, and um, totally knowledgeable guy. Next week um, we will be talking to Jim Garretson from the Organic 
uh, Seed Growers Trade, uh, Seed Growers Associate, Seed Growers and Trade Association. Sorry about that. Organic Seed Growers and Trade Association. Amazing that I remembered that. Um, but he will be on next week to discuss further his um, the case that they have brought against Monsanto um, and what the ramifications of that are for organic and even indeed uh, conventional farming that doesn't want to use Monsanto products. So please do join us again next week on Monday. My name is Katie Kiefer. I want to thank my wonderful sponsor and, of course, my wonderful producer and engineer and just all-around good friend, Jack Inslee. And uh, we'll see you next week. Have a great week, folks. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this program on the Heritage Radio Network. You can find all of our archived programs on heritageradionetwork.com, as well as a schedule of upcoming live shows. You can also podcast all of our programs on iTunes by searching Heritage Radio Network in the iTunes Store. You can find us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter for up-to-date news and information. Thanks for listening.